am I missing? That we would be as Rachel, who prayed for her children that they would come back to their borders. Amen? Amen. Oh, oh, good morning. I think the greatest blessing for me as a mother is that my children are walking in the Lord. But I also know that there's children that aren't. And I know that through the faithful intercession of this people and the, the nurturing nature of the Lord, we call them home. Today, we call them home. And they will come. Amen. So, good morning. Good morning. Um, we're going to talk, we've, we've talked a lot over this last season about transition, well, for several years now, and we've talked a lot about waiting, and if I am mimicking or if I am repeating something that has been taught, I want you to forgive me because I Sometimes my memory doesn't remember all the things that have been released. I'm, I'm bringing this morning what the Lord gave me in the process of waiting. Because I know you all have been in the same position where a couple days ago I'm like, Lord, I need you to share with me what you want me to speak, to teach. Because teaching is a process. You have to plow through the word. And, and, and this class is, is really... Um, it's a class that cultivates that process, and that's so important for us. It's, it's, it's a prototype of how we are to um, hear from the Lord, glean the season, glean what's on his heart, what he is saying, and, and plow through the word and, and, and study to show ourselves approved and to bring forth um, teaching. And so... For a couple days, um, late last week, I was before the Lord. I had, I mean, I was pretty clueless. And I would come up here, I'd lay before the Lord, I would pray, but then I would listen and, and, and try to hear what he would say. You know, just give me a word. <laughs> and he just said, I want you to wait. I'm like, okay. So I'd come the next day and lay before the Lord and listen. And, and you know, throughout the days and the nights, you know how we do that. And I think it might have been on Friday, he led me, or I was, I read the Psalms every day, and I read this Psalm 40, particularly the first three verses, and I read the Psalm, and I was, I was moved by it. I mean, it was like a rhema for me in some ways, but I, I, I moved on into what I was doing in my reading, and, and then yesterday morning, or yesterday when I got home from prayer, I mean, the Lord just kept saying, I gave you a word. So I went back to this Psalm and began to plow, and and over the course of the day, over the course of the afternoon, as I sat and studied, I realized that the Lord was speaking. And it's, it's a unique place to la- from which to launch, but um, I love this. And, you know, I always, whenever I hear, we're just waiting, we're just waiting, we're just waiting, I do bear witness with that, and I know that's true. We're waiting for the return of the Lord. Amen? 
But I, I really have tried to set my heart because I have been in this season of stillness, in this season of hiddenness. I'm, I've come out of it, but for a long, long time, there was a lot of waiting in there, and I'm still waiting for healing. I'm still waiting for restoration. I'm still waiting for that. But in the midst of that, I've really tried to, um, to position my heart to, to be in the moment and to be in the present, you know, to be present wherever he has me, wherever I am. If I'm at home and, you know, you know where, wherever I am. And so, yeah, waiting. But we are waiting patiently. For, we're all waiting for something, but collectively we are waiting for the return of the Lord. We are waiting for the outpouring of his spirit, even though his spirit is very much here. We have this eager anticipation for what lies ahead for us as a people and for, I mean, we read scriptures and we see what lies ahead. It's, it's amazing, but it's also challenging. And so <clears throat> we're going to talk about this Hebrew word, kawa. I didn't click on the little voice guy, so I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce it, but I, we're just going to say it's kawa or kawa. Is that correct? Kawa. Um, but that's where we're going to go this morning. Amen? Amen. So let's read Psalm 40, and we're just going to read the first three, ver- the th- first three verses. <clears throat> it says, I waited patiently for the Lord, for Yahweh, and he inclined, or he stretched, he extended himself unto me in the midst of my waiting, and he heard my cry. Now, waiting patiently, this is a double issuance, and I, I, we know that a double issuance is always, it always refers to really an intimate position before the Lord, an intimate cry before the Lord, an intimate identity or whatever. And so for me, that waiting patiently is a very intimate place, even if you're in the horrible pit, okay? So in the midst of that waiting patiently in that, in that intimate place with Yahweh, which we know speaks of his eternal plan and purpose, he is there and he is stretching himself out, extending himself to you, and he hears you. And he responds from that place. Amen? Now, you can see the definition of the word. It means to bind together, perhaps by twisting, to expect, to look patiently, to tarry, to wait. It, it, it's, very, it's very similar to abiding in the, in the, in the Greek. <clears throat> it's translated as wait. It means um, to bind together, which I said, to weave a rope to enhance the strength of the cords. So in the midst of this patient waiting, he is strengthening us. He is strengthening the cords as we bind ourselves to his eternal plan. And we know in scripture that he promises renewed strength to those that wait upon him in this way. So this root literally means to wait or to look for with eager expectation. It's definitely our endurance of faith, okay? So then he says, David, he brought me up 
He, he brought me up also out of a horrible pit and out of the miry clay. And he set my feet upon a rock. And he established my goings. Okay? So in the midst of our waiting, he pulls us, us up out of this horrible pit that we're in. <laughs> and out of the miry clay. Okay? I want to talk about this for just a minute because I can't say that I've been in a horrible pit. But I can say that I have been. I can say that I have been in the miry clay. Now, miry clay, it's, it's the clay that's used. It's the potter's clay. So in the midst of this pit, in the midst of, and, and horrible pit translates is something that is, it's like a crashing, roaring noise. Like a tumultuous crash, an uproar, roar, a tumultuous noise. Okay, so in the midst of this pit, there could be noise that's all around you. I know we have all felt that and heard that and sensed that in the midst of where we are. And then the miry clay is, once again, it's dirt, it's clay, it's mire, but it is what is used in the potter, you know, for the potter when he is forming something. So we wait patiently for him in his plan. We bind ourselves to his plan, knowing that our trials, because... If you think about being in a horrible pit, think about Joseph. Think about um, Jeremiah. Jeremiah was thrown. It's one of the. It's it's one of the few times that this word, horrible pit, is used. And he was flown and flown. He was flown. He was thrown into the horrible pit because he prophesied, what the Lord spoke to the king. He prophesied what the Lord spoke is is opposed to what the king wanted to hear. Okay. Do you think we're going to come to that place? Have you been there where you have to speak forth truth? You have to speak for something. And it's not necessarily what that hearer wants to hear. And that hearer may be your authority. Okay. For that, he got thrown into the pit. Okay. So we wait patiently for him. So in this horrible pit, it could be your doubts, your fears, your worries. But in the midst of that, in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the challenges, whatever they look like, he's there. And we bind ourselves to his plan, and in the midst of that, he strengthens us. That's my whole point in this whole thing, is God is strengthening us in his plan, okay, for what lies ahead. So, goodbye. <laughs> think about Christ. I mean, do you think the cross, do you think the agony of the garden was a horrible pit for him? Did he, did he say to the father when he was on his knees in prosukamai in the garden, Father, take this cup from me? Was God working him? Even our perfect Lord Jesus, was the Lord strengthening him to go forth and do God's eternal plan? Yeah. So the horrible pit is not really that horrible because it's a place where he is forming our character, where he is strengthening our heart to be able to withstand or to endure what lies ahead. And all that comes in the patient waiting and us being willing to be um, in that miry clay. Okay? So he forms and fashions our character. He refines us. He makes us beautiful. He prepares us. And then what does it say? It says he sets our feet. That means he established. He assumes. He establishes our feet. I always end up talking about feet. 
I wonder why that is. Our feet, and that, that, that word for feet is regale, and it means it's the placement of our foot, it's our, and it's our steps upon the Sela rock. And, and we understand that Sela rock, this is so vital for us because in that place, in that place where we may be facing trials, where we may be in the miry clay, where we may feel like we're even in a horrible pit where there's voices and things that are speaking, things that are contrary to God's purpose and plan, um, we have to make sure that we don't respond out of our emotions, but out of the strength from the Lord that he brings to us in that place. And we understand from um, our, our prior teachings about the Selah rock that that was the rock that Moses, instead of speaking to, which God told him to prophesy to that rock, he, he smote it. Smote it? He hit it. And he subsequently did not go into the promise. And so God, he pulls us up. Interesting, too, too, that this brought me up, that word for up, translates as the burnt offering so in the midst of where you are in the midst of the struggle and and I'm speaking forward guys to what may lie ahead for us but I know that I know that I know that in this moment God is preparing us in this waiting for this very thing as a burnt offering to refine us, to his fire is here. I almost taught on fire. I wanted so much, so badly to speak on fire, but the Lord just kept saying, no. It's. So he brings us up as a burnt offering, and he establishes our feet. He sets our feet on this rock, which is Christ. He establishes, he prepares our goings. And these are our steps, and this word means to be straight, to go forward, to make progress, or to advance. And then he puts a new song. He gives us a new song. He puts a new song in our mouth. And that new song is a fresh, it's a fresh thing. It's, it's a rhema thing. It's, it's something that if he put it in our heart, it is something that has come from his heart, from his throne, that is relevant for the moment or for the season for which we are going into. And all that comes through the patient waiting in the midst of the horrible pit and the miry clay. And I just feel so strongly. You know, I've always heard, and this may not be correct, but I've always heard that songbirds learn to sing in the dark. Have you guys heard that? Have you ever heard that? I have. And so I heard it somewhere. It's kind of like, well, somebody might have told me that in jest, but I, re I heard it, and I always thought that was true, and it makes sense, perfect sense. But I'm going to read something to you for, out of Oswald Chambers, which for those of you that know me, I've read Oswald Chambers every day for the last 40 years, I think. He's dead and gone, but he left a, a legacy. Um, he says, at times, God puts us through the discipline of darkness to teach us to heed him. Songbirds, now he said that, maybe that's where I heard it. Songbirds are taught to sing in the dark, quote, unquote, I'm, I'm quoting. And we are put into the shadow of God's hand until we learn to hear him. When I tell you in darkness, what I tell you in darkness, which Jesus quoted, watch where God puts you into the darkness. 
Be mindful of that. And when you are there, keep your mouth shut. Are you in the dark just now in your circumstances or in your life with God? Then remain quiet. If you open your mouth in the dark, you will talk in the wrong mood or emotion. Darkness is the time to listen. Don't talk to other people about it. Don't read books to find out the reason you're in the darkness. But listen and heed to the Lord. If you talk to other people, you cannot hear what God is saying. When you're in the dark, listen, and God will give you a very precious message, perhaps even for someone else, when you get into the light. This is evangelism 101. <laughs> and so bring it on. I mean, I, mean I, I think about Joseph, and I think the way God formed him into become the ruler that he became the fruit of that was the trial that he walked through. And, and, and we've learned from that. And so we don't despise that. But we know that as we submit ourselves, the Lord will lift us up as a burnt offering. And he will establish us. He will put a song in our a new song in our mouth. And let's see what else it says. Even praise, even to Tehillah unto our God. And we understand Tehillah is to boast, to brag, to exalt. And it is the song of Halal. So out of that place, we sing forth the vision of his heart. And we align our hearts. We extend ourselves in partnership, willing to move forward in whatever he desires. And then he says, and many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord and Yahweh's plan. So I mentioned evangelism. To me, you guys, this is how we are a light to the world. It may not be a sermon. It may be you just praising the Lord, singing his halal song being a light that's just come forth out of the darkness as he has brought you forth as that burnt offering and refined you and formed you into where you are now to be that one that is a testimony for somebody that you will encounter tomorrow. And it's just so important. Our, you know, our perspective and our attitude is so important. But he promises to us to strengthen us in this. And so I love that. I love that. Somehow it makes the, the horrible pit okay. Amen? Amen. So let's, I think every one of these scriptures is out of either Psalms or Isaiah. Let's look at Psalm 130. We're going to read verses 5 through 6. This is David. And he says, I wait for Yahweh. My soul doth wait and in his word, in his debar, do I hope. Now, this word for hope is yahal. And it's, it's, um, it's actually the second most frequently used word for hope in the Old Testament. And it, it means to endure, to tarry, to be confident, to have expectation, and to trust in the Lord. 
And so my soul waits in the debar, which is what God is saying or what he has said or the detailing of his pathway to its fulfillment. Okay? So my soul waits for that. My soul binds itself to that. My soul waits for the Lord. It waits for Adonai more than they that watch for thee morning. <laughs> Let me say that again. More than they that watch for the morning. I say more than they that watch for the morning or the break of dawn. So we wait for him. We wait for Yahweh. We wait in the midst with, with earnest expectation for the fulfillment of his plan. And we hope in what he is saying, what he has said, and the pathway to that. We put our hope in that. And the interesting thing about this is that is the word for soul and the way that he uses soul repetitively. And we understand that that, that word for soul, it's like the breathing part of us. It's like our breathing, the breathing creature within us. And it's the place, and I'm, I'm pulling this out of, I think, a book that Pastor had written. I don't know who else would have written it, but <laughs> out of the Nematocost Library. This is the place where we embrace the anointing of the Lord or his purpose for our lives. God looks for the person upon whom he can impart his breath. Emotions can be felt in this place. How we demonstrate these will depict our passions, either properly or improperly. So if the emotions or the passions draw upon the breath of God, then we are loving him through breathing of his spirit. Thus we are partnering with him. So every time he uses his word for soul, that's what it depicts. It's the breathing part that breathes hard after the Lord that partners with him in his breath. Okay? And I love it, too, because he says, my soul waits for Adonai. And we understand that Adonai is always that which concerns itself with our placement and with our assignment. And so my soul waits. It binds itself to Adonai. He is my master to pursuing the depths of relationship and submitting to his authority and the positioning that he has for me, knowing that in this place he will establish me and he will strengthen me. And so, and I love it too because um, he references, you know, the break of dawn, or I love it more than, the, than the, watch, the watchmen as they watch for the morning because we know that in the morning what happens? There's grace and there's new mercy every day. For what we for what we are walking in. Now, I also pulled this out of one of the pastor's books. The three principles of Adonai are to gain a fresh word from God. So we wait, we bind ourselves to His word. To be faithful in the process of its development. That is this process right here. To 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 long for His breath, and in His breath is our development, the development within us. It's also our refinement in the forming of our character. And as we endure and we're faithful in this process, then we offer the best of the best of the harvest back to God. So this really is the fruit of this patient waiting. 
is, is leaning in, hearing that word from God, being faithful in the process of its development, which is that development is within us, right? And then offering it back to the Lord, the best of the best. That's the fruit of kawa. It's the development in the midst of our waiting. And I just, you know, we've been in this for a long time. How many of you feel like you've arrived? <laughs> right? I mean, I, this has been such a season for of refining and just laying things down. And I don't know, it's just, it's, it's really been so beautiful. I, I, and it's just for me personally, and maybe you can, you can agree here, but I've really not been able to pinpoint exactly where, I've, where I am in him other than the fact that I feel like I've been like covered, fully covered. And in the midst of that, I'm being strengthened. There's a strength that is coming to us. And I know that I know that I know that it is for what lies ahead. We have, we have to be strengthened. And I feel like this is a key for that because it does come in the waiting. What? Huh? Dennis, behave yourself. <laughs> Nobody can make a comment in here, so it's, it's, I mean, speak up if anybody has anything in the big room. Thank you, Martha. Thank you, Martha. It is for me, too. God has a plan for you. Well, we're not done either. <laughs> okay, we're gonna we're gonna read Psalm twenty-seven, and 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 I pulled. I think I might I might have pulled the whole the whole psalm, just because I wanted to show. You know, you read the psalms and they're so powerful and so beautiful, but you really do see the heart of David. You see the heart, and you understand why. He was referenced as a man after God's heart. I mean, that's undeniable. And, and so beloved and blessed by the Lord because of his, 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 not only his vulnerability, his dependence, his trust in the Lord through all that he walked through. And he walked through some hard things, right? He was a very blessed man, but he walked through, through some hard things. So I really just wanted to... to I wanted to include this whole psalm because it, it really speaks it really speaks to me. So we're going to begin with verse 1. It says, The Lord Yahweh is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? If we said that, if we, if we said that, if we declared that every single morning when we got out of bed, I bet it would be life-changing. Right? He is our light. He is our salvation. And we have nothing to fear. The Lord Yahweh is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh. That's a pretty horrible pit. <laughs> they stumbled and they fell. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war shall rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord 
That will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. So in the very midst of his challenges, where his enemies were trying to eat up his very flesh, what does he do? His heart is positioned in that place of intimacy with the Lord, with his Father. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me, and he shall set me upon a rock. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy, or new songs. I will, I will sing, yet I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry. This, he goes into prayer here. With my voice, and have mercy upon me, and answer me. When thou sayest, Seek my face, my heart said unto thee, thy, thy face, Yahweh, will I seek. Hide not thy face from me, far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. I'm telling you, I mean, here on this Mother's Day, I can say there's not a whole lot stronger than a mother's love for her child. Would you agree? I mean, I would die for my children. His love trumps all that. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in the plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of my enemies, for false witnesses have risen up against me as such as breathe out cruelty. I had fainted unless I had believed or amon to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So here he's, you see he's being strengthened in that place of Ammon to see the tobe of Yahweh. So his faith is strengthened through the testing and his character is being further de de developed. And then the key here, wait on Yahweh. Bind yourself to his eternal plan. And then he says, be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on Yahweh, on the Lord. So we're to bind ourselves to his eternal plan through that patient endurance. And we, we've studied about this word courage, and it's that word hazak. And we're going to put a little bookmark here because we're going to talk about this for a minute. Because hazak, it means to fasten ourselves, to fasten ourselves to him. And, and here it's to Yahweh, to him and to his eternal plan. And he will strengthen our hearts in the depths of devotion and commitment to his person and to his person purpose. So Hazak means, I think I gave you the definition, to fasten upon, to seize, to be strong, to be courageous, to take hold of, to prevail. And it's most often used in scripture for strength in the battle. It's also regularly applied to the hands. And we'll, you know, we can see here where he says, I had fainted unless I had Ammon to see the tobe of, of, of Yahweh in the land of the living. That is being positioned at the right hand of the Father. That's where our strength comes. So we submit ourselves. We're talking about Hazak here. We submit ourselves to the directives of God from his right hand and from this place. As saints, we are commissioned from that place. It's a very foundational place for us. Okay? 
Now, we're to be of good courage. This is a proactive thing for us. So we're to fasten ourselves. We're to seize upon, to take hold of Yahweh and his eternal plan. And as we do that, he promises to strengthen or to amass our heart. This word for amass means to strengthen, to confirm, to establish, to fortify, to, steadfast, to be steadfastly minded, to be secure, solid, brave, and to make, be made firm. Also to be made alert. This is so important for us. And this is in our heart. And so this word for amas, I want you to stay with me here, is very often paired with hazak. So you've got the fastening of hazak, the good courage. And as we do that, he promises to amas, to strengthen, to cause us to be alert and steadfastly minded in our heart, to be brave and solid. It's just the way he, the way he, he moves in us. Both of these words are used to depict the depths of commitment and devotion to the person and purpose of the Almighty God. Okay? So we've got courage and we've got strengthen. We take courage no matter what we're dealing with. You remember what we just read, what David walked through. In the midst of that, we have courage, we have Isaac. And in the midst of that, our hearts are strengthened. And through that strengthening is the depth of commitment and devotion to his purpose and to who he is. And this is another quote that I found out of one of the book, out of Pastor's book. It is one thing to know the strength and calling of an eternal agenda for your life. So it's one thing for us to know what God wants to do and accomplish through us. We all know that, right? Or in part. It's quite another to actually accept it in our heart and to gain the empowerment from such a real realization. This is where I feel like we are. I feel like God is speaking what lies ahead for us, and he's going to continue to prophetically release his plan and how we are to partner with him in his plan. But in the midst of that, we have to accept that in our heart and to be strengthened in our heart and to begin, be, be empowered by him in our heart to actually accept it and say yes. And, and you know, I don't even know why, because I don't know what lies ahead. I just know this is what he's saying. He's positioning us to be strengthened in our heart, to be able to stand through anything that lies ahead. This word amas, I'm, I'm just going to reference a few ways that it's used in Scripture because it's very powerful. Um, when, jo when Joash repaired the temple... The temple was successful because of the devotion of the laborers who strengthened that structure or who amassed that structure. So that, that's what we're doing. We are strengthening the structure of what God is building. 
This word amas is the physical strength of the virtuous woman for her numerous household tasks. And that's huge, guys. If you've read Proverbs 31, sometimes I read that and I think, whoa, (laughs) how can I do that? Is that really me, right? But that's the strength, that's the strengthening of our heart to be able to accomplish that. Um, It's the determination in the heart of Ruth to follow Naomi. Naomi. It's the, um, it's the power for the warrior to carry on in his military duties, and that's found in Nahum, chapter 2, and the strengthening of, of Rehoboam's royal power at the defection of the northern tribes, and that's in 2 Corinthians 1, I'm sorry, 11. And so there's just a lot of, there's a lot of power in this strengthening, and, and I just release that. As in the waiting, I release that strength to your mind, body, and soul, that we would know God's plan, that we would know what lies ahead for us, where we would know we would be positioned at the right hand, we would partner with his hand, we would be courageous, we would fasten ourselves to it and not be moved from it, and we would be strengthened in our heart to accept it and, and, and to gain the empowerment that he has for us to move forward in what he has for us. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we're going to look at, we're going to go into Isaiah now. We're going we're gonna to look at Isaiah 49, verses 14 through 23. And this is, um, we know, we know that we know that an important part of the Messiah's mission is to bring Israel back to the Lord, Right? They have an enduring place in God's plan, and that plan is going to be fulfilled when all of Israel will be saved. And I'm going to read something out of Romans 11:26. If you in any way, or 25 and 26, question that. This is Paul, and he says, For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of the mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits. That blindness is part, in part, is happening to Israel until the fullness of of the Gentiles become in. And so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written. There shall come out of Zion the deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. So this is coming, okay? This is going to happen. And so this Isaiah 49, it's actually the second of four what is called the servant songs about the Messiah, and it depicts Christ as he gathers Israel, or Jacob, back to him and raises up the tribes to restore Israel. But also, as we are grafted into that plan, to give the light to the Gentiles. Praise the Lord. Amen? And so we know from Isaiah 49 that um, this is one of those songs. It begins with him declaring, sing the heavens, be joyful, O the earth, break forth into singing, O mountains, for the Lord break, for the Lord hath comforted his people, and will be, will have Mary on the afflicted, mercy on the afflicted, or Mary, mercy. (laughs) And then verse 14, but Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. So this is the response of Israel. And my Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child 
and not have compassion on the son of her womb. This is our Mother's Day scripture. I had to yield that. I had to put that in there somewhere. Surely they may not, they may forget, yet I will not forget you. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. You are, your walls are continually before me. His affection towards us is, is so great, guys. He's inscribed us on the palms of his hands. Our walls are continually before him. Our security, our strength, our prosperity, our health, that is on the Lord's heart. He is mindful of our condition despite what we face. And then verse 17, your sons shall make haste, your destroyers and those who laid you waste shall go away from you. Lift up your eyes, look around and see. All these gather together and come to you. This is his promise, guys. And I know this is for, this is, this is messianic and this is for Israel, but this is also for us. And I believe this wholeheartedly. All these gather together and they come to you. As I live, says the Lord, you shall surely clothe yourself with them all as an ornament and bind them on you as a bride does. For your waste and desolate places and the land of your destruction will even now be too small for the inhabitants. And those who swallowed you up will be far away. Remember what I said in the beginning about this is a house of sons and daughters. This is our, the heart of the father is that the sons and daughters would come into the kingdom, right? And, 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 and the calling that God has placed upon us in intercession is to raise them up, to, to equip them, to empower them, to teach them, to be in relationship with their father, to, to come and be functional in the kingdom. But we've lost a lot. We've lost a lot. God's going to gather them back up in his own way, in his own time. I have no doubt. When I say Rachel prayed for her children to come back to their borders, we will not relent until they do. Amen? Amen. The children you will have, as you have lost the others, will say again in your ears, the place is too small for me. Give me a place where I may dwell. Then you may say in your heart, who has begotten these for me, since I have lost my children and am desolate, a captive and a wandering to and fro, and who has brought these up? There I was left alone, but these, where were they? Thus saith the Lord God, behold, I will lift my hand in an oath to the nations and set up my standard for the peoples. They shall bring your sons in their arms. And your daughters shall be carried On your shoulders, kings shall be your foster fathers and your queens, your nursing mothers. They shall bow down to you and their faces to the earth and lick up the dust of your feet. Then you will know that I am Yahweh, I am the Lord, for they shall not be ashamed who wait for me. This word for ashamed, let me read the definition. The primary meaning of this root is to fall into disgrace, normally through failure, either of self or of an object of trust ashamed put to shame disappointed delayed confounded 
to be used to express the sense of confusion when either the, wait, the waiter or the waited upon feel when a delay becomes excessively long. The second usage expresses the sense of confusion, embarrassment, and dismay when matters turn out contrary to one's expectations. Have we felt this? <laughs> do we feel this today? I mean, do, do we sometimes get embarrassed, confused? Lord, what are you doing? Where are they all? And it's not about numbers. It's about our calling. It's about his heart. And I'm telling you, he promises right here, you will know that I am Yahweh, for they shall not be ashamed who wait for me. You will not be ashamed. God is going to do everything he's promised. And as we wait, we bind ourselves to that plan, and we partner with him from the right hand. He strengthens our heart. And we're fastened to him, and we won't let go, right? Amen. And then our inheritance. This is simple, but it's profound. Psalm 37, 9, for evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon Yahweh, they will inherit the earth. Yaresh, to possess, to occupy, to seize, to gain control by conquering and expelling current, the current inhabitant. And I just speak that over, I speak that over the earth. I speak that over our terio and every terio that's represented in this network, that we would gain control, we would conquer, we would expel the enemy. Amen? Because that's the promise of the Lord as we wait on him. Day and night, Psalm 25, 4 and 5. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth. This word for lead means to tread. Show me your ways. Is yada means to know through intimate commune. Lead me in your truth. Help me to tread through your truth. And teach me. So bam, bam, teach, teach. We have to be teachable. For thou art the God of my salvation. On them, on thee do I wait all the day. So we are on a well-trodden road. He is teaching us his ways, his truth. He's leading us. We're treading through his truth. And throughout, all the day long, he's teaching us. Pay attention. Okay? Be in that place of intimate communion. Know him and his ways in that place. His plan will be revealed to you. Wrong way. Mm, we're almost finished. Sort of. Isaiah 26, 8 and 9. This is during the times of visitation and judgment. But it's also in the night. Yea, in, thy, in the way of thy judgments, thy, thy mishpat. And we know that mishpat, it, it, it literally means to judge or to process, the process of governing, but it's, it represents the visitations of, visitation of the will of God. And we, as his redeemed ones, are called to bring forth those judgments. Okay, And, and that, I think we're going to see more and more as we approach the end times, the, the will of God. Um, the judgments of the Lord are going to be released upon the earth, and we're called to partner with him in that. So in thy way of judgment, O Lord, we wait for him. 
the longing, the desire or the longing of our soul is to thy name and to the remembrance of, of him. I just pray that, that our soul would long for his name and for just the attention and the memory of who he is continually. With my soul have I desired or have I longed for you in the night? Yea, with my spirit within me will I seek thee early. For when thy judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. You guys, this is coming. I mean, the days of judgment are coming. And we wait on them. We partner with him in it. And, and our soul desires him in the night in partnership with what he's going to do upon the earth. I'm telling you, I have not slept through the night. I can't remember the last time I slept through the night. And so much of the time, the Lord wakes me up, and I, I, I know that this is part of it. It's, it's like intercession for my, my, my spirit and my soul to not just to partner, but to accept what lies ahead and to know how to go forth in it. And I am being taught. I mean, I, I mean teach me, Lord. I mean, I am, I've got to learn. Don't you feel that way? When he hides himself, Isaiah 8, 17. And I will wait upon Yahweh that hides his face from the house of Jacob, and I will look for him. Behold, I and the children whom the Lord has given me are for signs and wonders for Israel from the Lord of hosts, which dwells in Mount Zion. So this is a declaration of Isaiah from his heart, really declaring that he still has confidence in the Lord, knowing that, first of all, the Lord, you know, Judah at that time was in sin and had failed to follow the Lord. And the Lord hides himself in that atmosphere. And so as we go forward and as sin abounds, and, and maybe we feel or sense the hiding of the Lord upon the earth, we have to be confident and say to, say to the Lord, I will wait upon Yahweh in his plan, even when he's hiding himself. And we may have seasons like that. Isaiah did in the midst of, of, of sinful Judah. But thankfully, we know how to find him. Amen? And to wait on him. And then renewed strength for service to him, Isaiah 40, 31. Very familiar. But they that wait upon Yahweh shall renew their strength. This is koah. And koah is that, that strength. It, it translates as the capacity to endure as a stone. It's the capacity to cope with situations spiritually and in the natural it aligns with the prophetic at the right hand, and it really is that strength to be able to, to overcome and to cope with any situation that we face. And I've, I've experienced this just traveling when we would go to different um, points of ministry when you could sense the resistance, perhaps, even from maybe perhaps our host. And, and you know, I... I've sensed the strengthening in my heart, the koa in my heart from the Lord to cope with that and to process it and to glean expertise in the midst of that. How do we handle that? And, and that's really important for us, and I think that um, we're going to face that 
as we go forth in the, in the future. But what we know is God never wearies. He never faints. He's never tired. Um, at this point, I believe Israel was in captivity. And so Isaiah was speaking this over them in captivity. You know, perhaps they were in the horrible pit. And he strengthens us in that place of, of, of challenge, but also on the mountaintop. He never grows weary as we wait on him and really reach forth towards him for that strengthening. And then last but not least, the celebration when he comes on the scene. This is ultimately what we're waiting for, um, but at the same time to me, it's throughout all the ages. Isaiah 25, 9, and it shall be said in that day, lo, this is our God, we have waited for him, and he will save us, for this is Yahweh, and we have waited for him. We will be glad, and we will rejoice in his salvation. Amen? Um, this word for rejoice, it means to be joyful and glad with the whole disposition of your being and in your heart. And so let us be glad. Let us go forth um, with joyfulness and gladness because we know in the waiting he will appear. Amen? Amen. So I, am, I have two minutes. Um, I believe on your sheet when we were talking about the, the, the Hazak and the Ames, I referenced some scriptures. This is just for your own personal study but because I knew we wouldn't have time to go here. But this is such a profound study. And, and it speaks of when these two words, the word for um, having courage and the word for being strengthened, Hazak and Hamas, being fastened upon his plan and being strengthened in the midst of that plan. You can see I referenced... Um, it occurred, the, the coupling of these words, when Moses was speaking to Joshua when he was about to cross over and inherit the land. When, again, when Moses was speaking to Joshua when he was addressing him facing the giants and taking the land. It was addressed or it was used when Yahweh was speaking to Joshua when he was about to cross the Jordan and take the land. Um, it, was word, it was used by David when he was speaking to Solomon when he was being commissioned to build the temple. And it was also used um, in Hezekiah, in the book of Hezekiah. Oh, wait, there's not a book of Hezekiah. <laughs> in uh, Second Chronicles, regarding King Hezekiah, when he was in preparation and preparing the armies to go into battle. You remember, you know, how often they would say, be strong and of good courage. That's what that means. And also in this psalm and in, in Isaiah 35. So I just gave you that. If you just need something to, to look at this afternoon, just in your study time, um, because it's just really powerful. So we are going to conclude, unless anybody has a comment. Okay. All right, well... Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for continuing to strengthen and give us courage. Lord, strengthen us in the deep places, Lord. You've brought us into the depths, and I just ask you, Lord, that we would heed every measure of what you have for us in this hour to equip us and to empower us for the going forward, and we thank you for that. And Lord, I just bless this day. 
um, bless every mother, every grandmother. Lord, bless every every one of your people, Father. Um, and Lord, we just ask, Father, that we would bless you through our our devotion and our praise to you today. In Jesus' name, amen.